Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Ferguson Show. I hope everybody's night is going well. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the American collapse. And some of the things that I wanted to discuss uh, real briefly are going to be the uh, debt ceiling crisis, the port situation uh, going on with our supply chains at the ports, and uh, overall, really, what uh, what's going to be happening in the next several months to several weeks and just being prepared and being on our guard for uh, the next phase of this financial crisis and collapse. The main thing that I wanted to talk about was actually the debt ceiling and the reconciliation bill, right? That's That's been kind of going on, floating around for the past probably like almost two weeks, week and a half, somewhere around there. And, you know, annually when Democrats, Republicans, they come together, they, they um, on a yearly basis, they usually always are raising our debt ceiling, meaning they borrow more money uh, to pay for things that we need to, uh, you know, pay for, you know, such as emergency, uh, emergency funding to our first responders, uh, roads, bridges, infrastructure, etc., cetera, uh, that we need to do on a daily followed by, you know, maybe some social justice causes or climate change or whatever the hell is really going on at the time, whatever politician, right, is in office, uh, you know, that's that's our president, our sitting president, or even people in the House and the Senate that have these different strategies that they think would be beneficial to our economy or our everyday society in America. With this, uh, every year they raise this debt ceiling to continue to pay our bills for the government because it's not just the exterior portion of america right it's the inward portion you know our uh, government buildings government workers to keep the uh, people in congress and the senate uh, in business and uh, being funded our judicial system like the supreme court and obviously um, our uh, executive branch which would be the president and um, vice president and all the people that embody that body. So uh, every year, though, we, we have to raise this. We have to borrow more money. And how does it get paid for? Well, we get ta- via taxes, we get taxed, right? That's how this budget usually um, ends up getting paid for is by our taxes. Now, most politicians and most of the mainstream media is going to tell you that's not the case. Uh, taxpayers pay nothing and it's it's already paid for like what they're painting right now. And they it, this isn't the first time that they've said this. They've said many of these things in the past when people were saying, hey, Obama's raising our taxes by almost triple at that time, right? Like they said the same thing back then that they're saying now, except it's a little bit different and I think it's actually worse. But when they tell you that it's, it's, uh, it's scot-free, there's no, nobody's uh, paying for it but the government and it's already paid for, et cetera. Please do not listen to them, ladies and gentlemen. They are lying to you. They're typical crooked politicians, just like most of them are. So you really have to take things into consideration when we're supporting bills and we're supporting certain documentation that could really set a precedent for the rest of the country. Uh, so I'm going to get into a little bit about this. So For the reconciliation bill, right? The reconciliation bill is basically a move by, uh, it could be be used by either the Democrats or Republicans, whoever has the majority. And it it basically signals that, you know, it's not, it's something where Republicans would literally have to vote on in order to get in from my understanding of it. 
Um, so the Republicans are pushing this so that that way they have, you know, a vote in and it could potentially vote a lot of the um, Democratic infrastructure bill out. And the Democrats don't like that. The Democrats just want a bipartisan effort, uh, which means an equal effort on both sides to basically pass this bill. But the Republicans don't want to do that because, you know, they, they say that pretty much what their take is right now on this all is that, well, you guys have the Senate and the House. You guys are the majority. Who's in control? You know, um, the the legislative and executive branch is controlled by primarily it's all Democrats, you know, like you don't need our votes to basically have the stamp of approval with getting this infrastructure bill passed. So the Republicans have said, just do it, like just vote on it. We just don't want to be a part of it, uh, which is they have every right to choose not to be. They don't necessarily have to. However, historically, Republicans have always, uh, you know, had a bipartisan effort on the Democratic side because, you know, back in, I think it was like 2005, 2006, they had something like this come up previously and Democrats have mentioned this and they had a bipartisan effort with um, the Democrats and Republicans. And it was a supermajority at the time, Republicans when Bush was in. So a lot of the Democrats are having, you know, and I, I see it on their side, they're having a main issue saying, hey, what the hell? Why aren't you guys doing it this time around? You guys don't want to, uh, you know, vote with us on this bill. But you know, you voted on this stuff in the past, and we we helped you guys out. So it's kind of like, you scratch my back, I scratch your back, but you're not scratching my back. You're not scratching my back this time, you know. So, uh, so that's kind of what's what's going on with what the uh, what the Democrats are kind of frustrated with, which I completely get it on that side of the aisle. But on the other side of the aisle, I also see the Republicans' view because the Republicans are saying, "Look, you guys want to pass a three point five trillion dollar spending bill on infrastructure." Yet you can't explain accurately. None of them have been able to explain at all. Now, I'm not saying this this couldn't have happened behind closed doors off cameras, but on camera, even when they have their Senate hearings or their hearings in general, I, you know, I've never personally seen any of them actually explain what's really in it other than some roads, bridges, and, you know, fill in the gap types of things. So there's more to that bill too. I read a little bit about it and it granted it's 2000 pages, right? So you have to, you have to really do your due diligence to read every single page. Obviously I, I just kind of skimmed through certain sections that I thought were important. Um, and I'm going to name a few that are questionable. And then I'm going to also give, uh, you know, my, my view on the spending margin as well, because I did kind of find something that was awfully strange when I, uh, did the numbers and I spent about a half hour to an hour adding up the numbers, seeing what each area that they were trying to spend the money in, um, which had stuff to do with obviously infrastructure, climate change. Uh, I think they had stuff to do with like trans rights. Um, they had stuff to do with, uh, the economy, um, all that stuff. Right. So the main thing though, is that, um, going back to it, the, uh, the Democrats want bipartisan effort. The Republicans say you don't need bipartisan effort because we don't, we don't, uh, support the excess of spending that you're doing the excessive spending after you guys just blew through a whole year of stimulus bills that you passed in the Senate. Cause you got the votes in the house. You needed it in the Senate, but the Senate passed them. 
right? And that happened during Trump's administration. And then it also happened, you know, dur- partly during Biden's administration. And another thing that the Democrats are also saying is that, hey, we went from 21 trillion to 28 trillion under President Trump. He's the one who gave the major tax cuts to, you know, the major corporations and the big businesses. And now that's causing a huge deficit because, you know, we, uh, we, we need that money, but it doesn't make sense the way they quote it like that, because, you know, we didn't borrow another $3.5 trillion or we didn't borrow more money during Trump's administration, at least to my knowledge. Um, we didn't borrow any more money to spend it on other things. We just simply cut taxes. Simple as that. And as far as like the infrastructure or spending or doing things we normally did before Trump, I mean, yes, there was always that, but the thing is, is it wasn't as, to my knowledge of, you know, 08 all the way through, you know, 2016, I don't remember it being a, a big expenditure, you know, during that time. I remember taxes were up. I remember, especially at the, after the 08 crash, things were bad, but it never seemed apparent to me that we were spending more than what we can handle. We still had to raise the debt ceiling. We still, you know, had the things we needed to pay for, but it didn't seem like it was that bad this time around though, because you have the stimulus checks that went out government aid, um, rent moratoriums where landlords are not able to get their rent and people were able to get off scot-free, uh, all that stuff. You got to remember it's all funneled through our economy, our economic system. So even though you're giving breaks, even though you're at the time letting people off scot-free to pay for goods or services, or in this case, rents, um, or people lost their jobs, so they need money to feed their families, et cetera, all that money is borrowed debt. And I think that's what Democrats don't understand. And they tend to just make it a political issue, right? And they think that, well, you know, we're just going to throw in the face that they don't want to pass this bill because if they don't, uh, then all the, the government's going to shut down. We're not going to be able to pay our bills and the economy collapses, but they're not looking outside of that picture and saying, well, wait a minute, we did have excessive, uh, government spending within the past year, which a majority of it did contribute to the debt, the 21 to 28 trillion. It wasn't necessarily, um, all the, um, the tax cuts. I'm not going to say though, that Trump didn't cause us any type of debt. Absolutely. He did. I just do not think that it's personally an exorbitant amount like they're describing. And that's just politics for you. So on the, the Republican side, going back to it, they don't want to pass it because of this, right? They think it's excessive spending. They also think, um, that it's a a socialist bill. They don't believe that it's a democracy, uh, 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 what would be the word? A, um, a democracy type bill. I guess I'll just use that word. They don't believe it's a, it's a, um, it's a full fledged democracy. They feel it's, it's a socialist agenda. And that's one of the main reasons why I think they're turned off because regardless of the, the accounting side of it or the metrics that goes, uh, that, that gets involved with this, they see it as a political stunt from the Democrats. That's kind of in their minds, like what they're thinking. Um, but I think, uh, you know, ultimately Republicans and Democrats will come to an understanding at some point, or maybe they won't, but the bill will still get passed somehow, whether it's, um, less spending or whether it's, uh, keeping the, the amount level at what it's at. I don't know. I can't tell you, but I'll give you my thoughts, but, um, going back to it. So this reconciliation bill would give Republicans a vote where they don't necessarily, it, it somehow changes 
the course of the way that they would vote in the House and the Senate. Um, I don't want to go into all the details and bore you guys, but let's just say it, it's a better move on the Republicans. And that's why the Democrats are despising it because it would give more of a, a majority votes to the Republicans based on that, that thing that they want to do. So they first want to pass the reconciliation bill. They want to do that. And then they can move on to the uh, infrastructure bill that would of course raise the debt ceiling. Um, well, actually the debt reconciliation bill that would actually raise the debt ceiling, but then getting the bill passed for the, for the, um, the uh, infrastructure bill that would come later on at most likely a reduced amount compared to what they have, which is 3.5 trillion. It'll probably be between 1 trillion and 1.5, 1.7, somewhere around there. So that's what they, they want to do. Um, but again, Democrats, they don't want a reconciliation bill. They just want a bipartisan effort from the Republicans, just an easy vote. So that way they can say, Hey, you know, we got this done. We raised the debt ceiling. Let's wipe our hands clean and keep going on about our business. Republicans don't want that. So, uh, that is kind of the crutch of what on both sides of the aisle, what they're thinking. Now, the next part of this is going to be, well, what happens if that doesn't happen? And this is what will happen. The economy will inevitably go down and crash. They won't have enough money to fund the government, fund government aid, such as welfare, uh, welfare programs, uh, you know, government workers like police, fire, um, all these different things. Cause you got to remember like cities, counties, you know, whether it's police or fire EMTs, a lot of those people are all connected, they're government jobs, so they're still connected with government. So that means that they, you know, if the government in Washington shut downs, that means it, 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 they shut down, right? And that would be atrocious because it's like, now you have cops out there that are either getting reduced pay or no pay at all because the government shut down. So who's going to police our streets? That's a scary thought, huh? And one of the biggest things is that historically, the United States have, has never defaulted on its debt ever in history. In all of you know the years that America has been existent, it has never defaulted once. There, the debt ceiling has always gone up. So that's why it's a big controversy right now. And really what's ruling this is politics. And it sucks. You're letting the American people uh, be shunned by politicians in white and red ties duke it out because you have a disagreement of philosophy, you know, like, I think that's, that's crazy, man. Like, and that's democracy though. So, uh, not only were the government shut down and government jobs, government aid, uh, well, pr welfare programs or government programs, I should say that are just created for people to exist in society to help them out because of their income or, you know, their specific situation. Um, any type of government program though will be, you know, it, it'll be a cease and assist, you know? And, um, and I think it's crazy and people at the VA will be affected, right? Like, you know, uh, section eight housing, stuff like that, man, it's, it's, it's all going to be affected. And not only that, but, uh, at that point, the federal reserve won't have a lot of money to continue printing anymore because it's shut down. So 
that's another scary thing. If the government shut to, shuts down, then that means the Federal Reserve stops working. So who's going to continue to print our money when we're working at our regular jobs, making our regular wages? Who's going to be printing that money so that way we get a paycheck on every Thursday at 12 midnight? That's, the, that's another scary, scary thought. And um, I don't know. It, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. So the stuff I just mentioned, that will inevitably happen if they cannot raise the debt ceiling, they can't pass this bill successfully and it can't be you know, done. And there is a deadline date and I will give it to you right now. It is October 18th, October 18th, October 18th. Remember that date because that date is coming up. It's already what, October 4th already? So 56, so we got about 14 days, two weeks to pass this thing. 14 days, 14 days right? So we got two weeks. Are we going to be able to do it or are we not? So that, that's, that's, the, um, that's the ultimate thing with that. Um, I just wanted to speak briefly on that. So that way you guys have kind of an understanding of what's at stake here. So if you're in, you know, if you guys are still working and you haven't been laid off due to not getting the vaccine or um, you're just not able to work in general, or you're still collecting, I think they already ended all the, um, the unemployment and all that, but I could be wrong. Cause I think that goes, I think there's state by state. And then the federal government, I think sometimes does, uh, they were giving people money every week, the $600 for a period of time. I think that's all done with now, but regardless, uh, you know, if you're working a regular job and you know, you get paid weekly or biweekly, that's the thing, man. If, if they, if they go under, if the government goes under, we all go under, that means that you're <laughs> at that point, it's like, well, what's the point of me even working at a job? I'm working for free. If I can't get my money printed and put into my account, how are they going to pay me? And that's why there was a lot of skeptics out there a few weeks ago. They were saying when this first started coming out, they're like, shit, are we going to go back to the barter system? And the barter system is trading, you know, like tobacco, liquor, something of like value, I guess you can say for goods and services. And I don't, I don't think it'll get that bad to be honest with you. That would be freaking nutty if it did. But I think if they can't do this and that's the last, you know, stance pretty much, and that's an emergency situation, then by all means, we could go back to the barter system, which would be terrible, you know? Uh, but yeah, I just, I kind of wanted to briefly talk about that. Right. And just kind of give you guys some insight about what's going on. The last bit that I wanted to do on this piece before I go into kind of what's going on at the ports right now and what you guys should be preparing for with that is um, very interesting uh, stuff that has come out between two Democrats, actually, that um, that are, it's his name's Joe Manchin. He's a, um, a senator from West Virginia. And then you have um, uh, what's her first name? Uh, last name is cinema and, um, I think it's Kirsten cinema or I, I don't remember her first name. It's, uh, her last name cinema. Look her up. She's a Senator from Arizona. Uh, I'm forgetting in the moment, but, um, but yeah, so these two Democrats are moderates. They're not progressives. And if you guys, the ones on here that are listening that are in it for the finance, not really for the politics, just a backstory, right? If you don't know, progressives are people that want certain things like the infrastructure bill, socialism, they want things that are not necessarily 
uh, you know, with a democracy kept in mind. They want things that are kind of off the cuff. They want control. They want power. They want certain things that we didn't usually do before. And moderates are more people in the middle that are traditional Democrats that are law abiding. They want democracy and they have their views still on certain things that maybe Republicans don't have, but they're still a part of America and they still believe in that. The progressives will always tell you, well, we're for democracy. What are you talking about? You know, like this and that, but a lot of their ideology and a lot of the things that they want to pass, if you really study up on them, they're not, uh, you know, sound. They, they just don't really make any sense. So Joe Manchin and Cinema are both moderates, Democratic Party. They're the two out of the entire party. They got about 96% of the party that wants this bill passed and this spending to be done. Joe Manchin and Cinema are saying, no, that's way too much. So it's very interesting. Not only do you have the Democrats and Republicans going head to head with each other over the bill, but you have people within their own party, two members of their party that are saying, Hey, this is way too much. We need to cut this down. And I think that's very interesting because it's going to be very telling of what's going to ultimately happen. Joe Manchin and cinema are crucial parts of the democratic party. They are crucial votes that the Democrats need. If God forbid, uh, those two that they, God forbid, they lose those two votes. Not only does, you know, the, uh, debt ceiling go off, but you know, they can kiss their trillion dollar, uh, infrastructure bill goodbye. And then they could also probably, they probably won't even get to the reconciliation bill if they, and that's the biggest thing. They, they can't agree to it right now. They can't even get there because Democrats don't want to do the reconciliation bill. And that's why there's been a lot of, um, prying stuff out of both cinema and, uh, you know, mansion within the past week from Joe Biden, Joe Biden had to cancel a meeting in the middle of everything the next day, just because he had to meet with mansion and cinema because of the disagreements they had. And I just think it's, it's crazy how politicized this bill alone has become. Just don't even pay attention to the bill, but just the focus of both sides of power and how they're treating and reacting to each other is completely irrational and not needed. They're like little, they're little children, honestly, fighting over crumbs. That's what I feel like it is. But um, that's the last piece I wanted to add up about that. <clears throat> we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see where this actually heads and who votes on what. But I could tell you this, uh, if they don't successfully vote on this, it, it's it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a headache. I do have um, an article that I read that I wanted to just kind of go over with you. And it was regarding the debt ceiling with Manchin being questioned about it. Reporters are saying, you know, what are we going to do? How, how are you uh, going to pass this bill? You know, how could you let this happen? I mean, they're, they're painting a whole narrative, obviously, because they're false propaganda, false propagandaists. Well, that's not even a word, but I'll just use it for the time being. So I wanted to just kind of read you um, just a quote that Manchin had said, just so you guys can kind of hear what he's saying and not my words, but his words. And, um, and this is what he said. He said, and I quote, we just can't let the debt ceiling lapse. We just can't. Manchin uh, said, adding the Democrats should not be concerned about politically sensitive votes. Then he goes on to say, we can prevent default. We really can prevent it. And there's a way to do, and there's a way to do that. 
And there's a couple other tools we have that we can use at our disposal. Uh, takes a little bit of time, a little bit of it. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a pain, but the long vote, uh, long, he puts long vote Aramis, this and that do what you have to do, but we cannot. And I want to, I want people to know we will not let this country default. So, and then let me see what else he says. I think that's about it. Yeah, that was about it from that quote. So clearly you can see in there, he doesn't want to default. He said, we're not going to let it, we're not going to let things default. We got to come to an agreement. I think what will end up happening is, is either they're going to lower the amount or the Democrats or the progressives are going to keep it the same. They're going to corner and mansion and cinema in a corner and mansion and cinema are going to be cornered and they're probably just going to end up voting on it because they feel pressured. You know, I, I think with him making statements like that, it just goes to show he's not going to not vote on it. He's going to put in some vote, but um, they're going to try to negotiate how much spending that we have is given in, in the U.S. I just think that progressives are going to stand pretty firm on their word. They, they might be able to let up a little bit, but we'll see. Um, but I just wanted to add in, that's a quote that came out, and this was today at 6.30 p.m., and it's now 7.43, so almost an hour ago this came out. This was the statements that he made today. So that's the latest on that. Now, what I wanted to next talk about is uh, what's going on with our ports, right? Um, the ports right now are not looking good. And if most of you guys have not known this, uh, the ports, you know, have our, uh, this is solely in, in obviously California and whatnot, but the ports, as you know, are a main part of, you know, where we get our import imports from, whether it's from China or Europe or any other country, that's where we get our supplies from. And that's where we get, uh, most of our merchandise, food, um, things that we need to successfully drive this economy in the right direction. So what's gone on since about, I believe it was the end of July, early August is the ships have been, there's enormous amounts of ships out in the sea, uh, specifically in the Pacific. And um, they're out in the sea and they're docked there and they can't bring the ships in because of COVID. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's less employees to work and get those uh, ships into the docking stations and then unload and put them on the trucks that need to be funneled out to the different uh, retailers or um, distributors that sell products. So we just don't have the people. We don't. So that's the biggest problem right now is we just don't have employees and they're stuck in the middle of the boat or I'm sorry, in the middle of the sea. The boats are stuck in the middle of the sea. So I think uh, most people have heard, hopefully by now, and if you haven't, then I'll be the first to tell you, buy your stuff early. So what do I mean by that? If it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays that are coming up, like buy all your presents and gifts early for your families. Please do not be that guy that or girl that waits the last second to buy their stuff and lo and behold, you're not going to get it for probably going into next spring, early summer from what I'm hearing now because of these port issues, you're not going to be getting the product until next year. And by then the season's over. We're in 2022, not 2021 anymore. You know, so what's the point? 
So you got to start thinking. And also, uh, you know, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think most likely we're going to see a slight food shortage within the next three to four weeks heading into November because a lot of our perishables are parked out there in, you know, out in the sea. And that's why we're getting low. If you go to like fast food chains or stuff, or you're ordering food, you'll notice, like I went to Taco Bell not too long ago and I ordered a couple burritos. I noticed they're not even the Taco Bell burrito wraps anymore. They're literally, it's different. It's just random pieces of paper that they're wrapping it up because they have no, they have no supplies, you know, grocery stores, they're starting to run out of bags to bag groceries now, similarly to how it was in the beginning of the pandemic. So clearly we're having these major issues out there. And, uh, you know, it's all because of these, this port situation. So, um, you know, I, I, I highly recommend you guys, you know, get on top of this for as far as, um, the food shortages, I just, I think that's going to progress in the next few weeks to come. Um, you're also seeing, you know, employment issues. Nobody wants to work anymore, right? Companies can't get people hired. Companies are now being fined if you're not vaccinated and that company, you know, knowingly doesn't vaccinate their employees. They're now getting the first time a $70,000 fine. And thereafter, if they knowingly continue to do this, they'll get about a $700,000 fine each and every time that, uh, the policy that, or the executive order that Joe Biden put in place is not followed. You know, so that's um, that's kind of what's going on. I think that executive order will last probably about six to eight months and then probably into the new year, uh, probably around spring, summertime. That's when we're going to probably see some of these mandates let up a little bit. I could be wrong, um, but I don't see that this is going to last. I think this was just a temporary measure to continue to get people vaccinated, uh, you know, and whatnot. But ultimately, uh, I just think that we need to be mindful of everything that's coming down the chain because tough times are coming, folks. Uh, I actually think there's going to be another pandemic. Um, I think that there's going to be continuous strife. Um, you know, our Federal Reserve is really taking a dive right now. And not only just the U.S., but the whole world is up in flames, man. Like, whole world is, especially like Australia, people like out there, they're just constantly being, you know, I, I don't know, like, uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to just read you another article, quick article I found, um, you know, and, and this came out, uh, actually September 17th. So just a, a little, uh, little over a couple weeks ago. And, um, I'm just going to basically read you this and what it's kind of, you know, saying. And uh, it's just like a paragraph or so. But it says, as retailers gear up for the holiday season, a record number of container ships uh, trying to bring imported goods into the U.S. are stuck off the coast of California, another casualty of ongoing disruptions to the global supply chain. 65 vessels were waiting to dock at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach in the San Pedro Bay Area, September 16th, according to the Marine Exchange of Southern California, a record high. Captain Kip uh, Lutetit, I, I can't even pronounce his name, of the Marine Exchange told uh, courts that an unprecedented 23 of these ships are in a drift area, meaning there is no room for them to anchor in the water. 
So again, this is going back to them not being able to have, you know, any employees to help. It says the queue of container ships waiting in the bay has been rising steadily throughout the week, reaching new highs each day. Um, let's see, as Serafina, uh, I'm guessing that might be a ship which arrived in Long Beach on August 25th has been there the longest. Yeah, so that is a ship, according to uh, this captain. The ship, uh, which arrived from uh, Shanghai, appears to be delivering goods to companies including Samsung, CNT, uh, or CNT America, according to the website Marine Traffic. Uh, let's see here. So how, and then it goes on to say, how is the, the shipping industry handling the end of lockdowns? Shipping companies have been dealing with the impact of supply chain disruption since March of last year, when the consumer demand uh, slowed due to pandemic lockdowns and ocean liners, which were taken offline as manufacturers shut down. The shipping industry still doesn't ha or still hasn't caught up to the surge in demand, uh, which reopened economies. Then it goes on to say, with the holiday season approaching in the U.S., imports are on the rise, creating uh, log jams at major ports around the country. A recent Bloomberg analysis found that the number of container vessels waiting to enter the top three U.S. ports has been steadily rising since July. So again, end of July, like I said, uh, was around that time that all this stuff started beginning, right? So then it goes on to say, what's more, uh, warehouses are increasingly full with the volume of cargo, cargo piling up due to supply chain bottlenecks. While there is about 2 billion square feet of warehouse space in Southern California, uh, Gene Soroka, executive director at the Port of Los Angeles, told, told Bloomberg on June 30th that these warehouses were overflowing. There often isn't enough space for container ships to unload deliveries uh, even when they do finally dock. All parts of supply chains have been kind of stacked up, he added. What, is, what does this container ship pileup mean for you in September 16th? Uh, CNBC interviews Soroka echoed the message that many retailers have been spending to customers over the past few weeks. Get your holiday shopping done early and plan for the delays. So right there, it goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be delays. The warehouses are overflowing. There's no employees to help out. They've been dealing with this and they started seeing a slowdown and in, in, uh, suppliers coming through the ports and starting in March. And then they really started to see an incline in July, which I believe was in the middle or end of July, like I stated before. And now every single day they're seeing, you know, the numbers are, are, are going up. They're doubling every day or tripling. So I think that, uh, you know, they don't even have enough supplies as of right now to handle that are, that are already being locked up in these warehouses that are overflowing. They don't even have enough supplies to kind of get it through. So I think what's really interesting is the fact that a lot of the government already most likely knew about this, but yet didn't warn us about it. That's the craziest part about it. You know, like though that's a major thing. Like though those ports 
funnel out. We, we funnel stuff out to other countries as well through those ports. It's not just our country, but it's other countries as well. So it's funny how like these world leaders most likely knew this and they just kept it under wraps, didn't say anything. And now we're having this, this huge problem, you know? So, um, and that's just my opinion on it. I, I, I don't think that they don't know about that because that's a big part of our economy, right? Like people that have businesses that need, like that come from warehouses that need to put them in their stores that they built their e-commerce stores, or it could just be a, a, a boot on the ground store. You know, they need those supplies to come in and they need to be funneled through. And, and now you have these supply chain shortages all over COVID, you know, like seriously, even people vaccinated, it, it seems like for whatever reason, they're either not returning to work or they just have no interest working anymore. It's like, People are so afraid. It's just crazy. Anyway, that's about uh, going to wrap up this podcast. If you guys did enjoy the content, please feel free to subscribe, uh, whether it be on Spotify. I think you subs- you can subscribe on Google Podcasts and then uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, feel free to drop a review. Um, and then you can follow me on my social media. Like I said, you can support this podcast on Spotify listener support. Uh, that will be in, you know, my link show, my link in the show notes below. And next week we will talk about some more and hopefully I have more updated news and information on the debt ceiling, the ports. Um, and then we'll dive into, uh, probably another financial topic. So anyway, I hope you guys have a great night, have a great week, and I will see you guys next time signing out from the Ferguson show. Peace. Peace.